chugging along, writing a song when something special comes along. It's a long-winded directionless discussion for conversationalists. You bring the wit. You bring the brains and we'll talk it over between takes. Welcome to Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. We are your hosts, Olivia O'Neill. And Aiden Driscoll. And we have a lot of conversations. One of our favorite things to do is have lengthy convos with interesting people. So we started a podcast. On this podcast, you can hear us talk about the process of our writing and the inspiration that we find in music, movies, and art that intrigues us. Our conversations may range from just a random story about a trip to the grocery store to exploring our purpose as humans in a very existential way. One of our hopes with this podcast is to expand our community. We hope to have guests hear from our listeners get you involved in things we think are important so tune in for some conversations from a couple of kids who think they know better and sit back and enjoy this week's episode of between Between takes well welcome back folks to between takes with opal entertainment (laughs) solid stuff (laughs) today i was at um working at my job and i was asking for a bag and that's how I pronounce it, you know, like a, a bag. And and anyway, I saw it was funny because they uh, didn't know what I was saying. And they were like, oh, a bag. And I was like, it wasn't, yes. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just, oh, you say bag weird. It was, it was yeah. a whole new word. That they that's probably one of the more, one of the only words that is different here. We're in Tennessee. Um, a lot of people will ask me what oofta, like if I say oofta a lot. And oh, I, really? And I'll be like, I guess I say oofta sometimes. And then my manager, me, yeah, my manager was saying that the reason that she knew, she knew that I was from somewhere else because mm-hmm. of the different like sayings, not necessarily my accent. Mm, interesting. Yeah, which I'm trying to think of what I've said, but mm-hmm. sorry, I cut you off. Well, they were just asking like, what does oofta mean? And I was kind of describing like oofta can mean, it's one of those words that's kind of, it's like super califragilisticexpialidocious. It can mean whatever it means depending on the context, mm-hmm. right? You can be like, oof, someone can say in a car wreck the other day, oofta, oofta. means like, <laughs> oh wow. Or it could be like, that's really heavy, oofta. Right. Or it can be, um, I mean, it really is just. I, mm, ate, I ate 300 hot dogs, oofta. oofta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just whatever you want. Yeah. So what have you been listening to recently? I've been listening to Brand Carlisle recently. And? Which is good. I really like Heart's Content off of her, what's it called? Bear, Bear, Bear Creek, Creek album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good song. She's kind of a country folk mm-hmm. singer, but very like um, soulful in some sense. Mm-hmm. Her voice is very clear. Um, and pretty, but Heart's Content is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of genre like like her. I don't think it's kind of like an alternative country. It's kind of different. Yeah, but it's so cool. It's cool too because she's she grew up with like so just a little bit I know about her. She like grew up with some country, but she also grew up in Seattle, mm. so it's not necessarily like oh. there was a huge country. Yeah, scene. she kind of seems was a like a lot of more. That's where a lot of like alternative music came out. Of. Yeah, that's kind of the. I don't know where Vampire Weekend is from, but I feel like that kind of music comes out mm-hmm. of there a lot, too. That's also where the head and heart are so from. So she kind of has a uh, int- very interesting, like, diverse sound. Or right. diverse, the right word. She kind of pulls, I feel like, from a lot right. of different genres. Mm-hmm. Have you heard any of her, uh, I think it's her latest album. Nope, I've only okay. been listening to the one. She has, like, five or something, right? She she has uh, several. I only know, I know... Um, Bear Creek, and then I know, by the way, Forgive You, which was in, like, 2016, 2017, something like that. Okay. <clears throat> um, no, I've only been listening to the one. That one 
Bear Creek, I think, has a more consistent sound across the whole album, mm-hmm. which is cool for that album. But for By the Way, I Forgive You, it's it's much more. You can listen to like one song and be like, that's very like country sounding, but the lyrics are very like Americana folk. Sure. Uh-huh. And in this one, the lyrics are more like. I don't know if she was like purposefully doing this, but it just seems like that they, they, she's contrasting the, the lyrical structure with then the musical Sweet. structure and, and pulling from different styles throughout the whole album. I, think I really feel like cool. that's cool for people that are like, it's her, like Brandy Carlisle. It's like mm-hmm. one solo artist in some sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously other people playing, but it's not like a band. Yeah, I, mean, I just think it's cool, cool for her yeah. to like switch up things, especially at like where she's at because that's like keeps it interesting but at the same time her tone is so unique that right. i feel like it, people recognize who it is yeah she does have a really cool voice kieran and tia when they were living in seattle they wanted to go see her so they i think they just i don't know why they didn't reserve tickets ahead of time hmm. but they just found out about it and they're like oh we should go buy tickets so they go up show up before the show is starting and they're all sold out it's like oh that's a bummer so then they're like, well, there's this, it was like right next to the zoo. One oh. of the zoos in Seattle. So they're like, well, let's just hang out at the zoo for a little bit like while we're here. So they're walking around the zoo and then they can hear the sound check. They can hear like Brandy <gasps> Carlo warming up her voice and all that. And it made them both even sadder. She hearing so like, Tia was very upset. We were there like watching the penguins and Tia was like, we should be over there. Aww. We should be watching Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> oh, that's sad. And now we're just watching penguins, listening to her beautiful voice. <laughs> I just found <clears throat> this guy named Cody Fry who I think is relatively popular. He, I feel like I heard his name and I was like, I think he plays with Wolfpack, but I'm not sure. I'm not positive now, but um, he does play with Corey Wong at one point and Corey Wong mm. plays with Wolfpack, mm-hmm. but he also just put out a single with Ben Rector. Oh, Cause wow. that was something I was listening to him. I was watching some of his videos and listening to him and I was like, man, he's got like a really cool tone. He sounds like kind of like a funkier slash more it's cool it's like very funky sound or very like orchestral sound <laughs> so that's really cool and he's like so i was thinking he's kind of sounds like a funkier ben rector and then i was like scrolling through a little bit further and i see a video of them playing oh, together wow. with like a national so you orchestra literally... so i was like boom oh genius they are so but i they they sounded amazing together and yeah that sounds anyway. really nice so he's really cool i feel like you like him a little bit i've also been listening to um something our music theory um, colleague <laughs> yeah i don't know mentor you say teacher but then we caught up to him pretty quick no 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 he still teaches us things but it feels like it just feels like more formal to say teacher i feel like right. he's more than that like because it's transcended and like friendship of, yeah, i guess yeah. um i guess we can call him a friend <laughs> yeah, he recommended it's called nearness of you and then there's like a colon and it says the ballad book by michael brecker and it's mostly instrumental albums. It's 11 songs. And then one of them, I guess, has vocals on it. But it's super good. I really like how, in some way, the like it's it could be like a little sloppy or something. Is that the word? It can be a word. I haven't listened to all of it. Okay. I guess I, I feel like it's a very natural sound. Mm-hmm. And especially the one song, um, Nearness of You, the there's a saxophone in it. And he kind of it just kind of floats around. In the low range yeah. for a while. And then he, like, it makes it really special when he comes up and hits, like, a couple notes. Right. But would you call that sloppy? Is that sloppy work? I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't want to use that word because it sounds so negative. Right. What What would it be called? I kind of know what you're saying. 
how like he doesn't in a unstructured in a way maybe that's it it's it, it it's unstructured but still but not unstructured in the way that a lot of like modal jazz is where you're kind of yeah. just like where is any sort of rhythm where is any key center where yeah is any and i think Here we would know like, if it was like wrong it's not right. wrong it's not like he's playing it wrong i think it's that he he built a very solid ensemble underneath the solo instruments mm-hmm. so that they, those can all be playing and you know what's going on in the song yeah. and then the lead instrument can kind of be and everything is more. very consistent it's not like you can tell this guy over here mm-hmm. was playing the this so precisely and this guy was a little bit right. under everything matches so i think mm-hmm. it was very purposeful right but i guess i i enjoy listening to that sometimes sometimes when you listen to like jazz that's really improvisational mm-hmm i enjoy but sometimes it can be too much at at certain times of listening so and it's not something you can just hum along to right so when it's the kind of thing when it's like i want to go back and listen to this again you're gonna listen to the stuff that's catchy and that you can sing along to and all that which that's the other thing is and then there's kind of the other extreme of like a lot of the big band jazz from the 30s and 40s benny goodman glenn miller gene krupa all those guys where it was very to the letter it was every you know Glenn, right. Glenn Miller went into a room and then came out with everyone's part written out on staff paper. Super cool too. And, and yeah, and it's there. It's it, it it definitely it sounds. I think Benny Goodman's a bit more this way than uh, Glenn Miller is, but get, Benny Goodman has songs that are very like Jack Antonoff would say, like it's about to fall off the edge of a cliff, but never quite does. Um, <laughs> where you're just like, what is happening? This is yeah. crazy, you guys. But it's also I can listen to it over and over, and I know exactly where these little. Things can you come listen and, to it in a like relaxed setting? Like as beautiful music, or is it more of intricately like I think mind, um, beautiful to your mind? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kind of. Yeah, I think Glenn Miller is more you can kind of put on and and kind of just sit enjoy back and the... enjoy the mood that it mm-hmm. sets. Um, he definitely has a lot more like ballads, things like that. Right. So I guess maybe that's part of it. Is maybe it, that's you, you it. say like enjoy, and t- the way that you described it to me means slower, more chill songs. Sure. Benny Goodman has those but also has a lot of really fast paced really yes. energetic crazy songs which i think we're just primarily meant to dance to and stuff right right so um i think benny goodman is an equally amazing musician and of an course equally amazing yeah com- uh, arranger just for different things yeah and i and i think it's beautiful but in a it's like comparing on the road to verona to la la land in a way right where okay. it's like the, the charm of la la land is this is the sweetness and the intimacy and things like that whereas in on the road to verona the charm is the chaos and the the, the ruggedness and stuff yeah so i think that's it's just made it's for different it's, purposes yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of and different I, and they can be enjoyed with the same people and, yeah. and they're different moods but yeah yeah it, it's kind of i'm still learning too about like the different types of jazz but mm-hmm. i think for people it you put jazz in like one category. Yeah. And I mean, La La Land talks about that a little bit. Right. Where it's like the elevator music or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Jason Eamon jazz. No. Is that jazz? I don't know. What it's is a that kind called? Of thing. It I has a saxophone in it. It's was, jazz. Yeah. That, that's what someone's, there was one pop song that came out a year or two ago and someone asked this jazz musician, like, what do you think? Is this, you know, is this song by this pop band? Is that a jazz song? And he was like, Throwing in a saxophone does not make it jazz. <laughs> yeah. It has jazziness to it. Yeah. It has, like, he plays this little saxophone lick and is mm-hmm. like, sure, that is a technique that's used in jazz music. Is jazz, is that te- a technical term? Oh, I'm not sure. Because that's the thing, too, is that people will say, yeah, that's jazz, but that part of jazz is pulling from samba, and that part of yeah. jazz is pulling from Dixieland, and that part of jazz. And it, yeah. so it's kind of like, I think, For a while, jazz I originally think... is this weird conglomeration of 
tons of different genres of music just kind yeah. of being scattered around. And that's, to that's me, the crazy thing to me. Jazz like, is like the... F- Sorry. No, it's just that jazz in New Orleans started this way and then jazz in New York started this yeah. way and jazz in Chicago started this way and in Kansas City this way and yet they all evolved kind of at the same speed as each other yeah and in very different ways and it's it is weird how we do just kind of lump it all as jazz yeah when it's like you could there's like there's kansas city jazz and there's new orleans Orleans jazz and big band and all that very different yeah i think i guess i i think of jazz as like the structure of the actual piece and and having it like jazz to me is is being i don't know so like what structure defines like having like the melody you know they Mm -hmm. play through and then this person takes it and then this person Mm. and has having lots of different like components right of instruments but each having a solo like time so So it's bluegrass jazz does that seem? It's a very similar. It can be a very similar don't, form. No, sometimes. so maybe that. So but, that's but not. But that is something that I think I, you know. Talking to my father, he yeah. has made the argument that jazz, Renaissance dance music, bluegrass, all have very similar roots as sure. to what they are yeah. and what, how they evolved, yeah. which I think is interesting and I think it's true. And it's just the, the sounds are so different that it's hard to compare at times. Mm-hmm. But the structure is something that the structure of a lot of bluegrass songs is sing through a, a chorus of some sort right. and then play through it two or three more times, so, letting each instrument take a solo, sing it all together again, wrap it up. Yeah. And We've talked about, so like why does jazz sound different than bluegrass, I guess? Let's go there. Jazz uses like different scales, Yeah, right? I, I think primarily for most people, the first thing people notice is the instrumentation. A banjo sounds a lot different than a clarinet. So I think... True. Uh, I think I at least... Jazz bands can play a bluegrass song, and mm-hmm. I may recognize that song as a blue. I can make I, you know I could recognize the song and know yeah. oh that's a bluegrass song that mm-hmm. they're playing, but it'll still have a lot of jazz things to it because it's a. So clarinet. what are those? Oh, because of the instrument. Because of the instrumentation oh, primarily, okay. I think. I think that's the first thing for me at least that clues me into what's going on. Like how, but I well okay, do you know the Joni Mitchell song for free? No. It's a pretty song, and it's basically just her and a piano for the majority of it, and then at the end, this, sac- this clarinet comes in, and then it ends with this whole like, clarinet solo, Okay. and all of a sudden, I'm like, that's a jazz solo at the very end. Before that, it was like a folk rock, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, huh. Mitchell in that specific context, kind of a folk rock ballad on the piano, yeah. and then wow. turns into a clarinet <laughs> solo for the last 30 seconds or something. Weird. So that just immediately, in my brain, clarinet played in a certain way makes me think jazz. Sorry, that's kind of a long-winded thing. So I guess going back, when we play, or when we've talked in theory before, and we'll be like that, and Reed has said, that's a common jazz structure. What is right. that? What are those? Those are normally chord progressions. So those what are, are what is that? 2-5-1. 2-5-1. Or secondary dominance. So is that because... going changing the key to the relative minor or to the fourth. Is that something that do you think just evolved through it? Or was it like started out? Like, I, that's just so confusing. Like Yeah, I know. Um, it is, is it just to our ear? This is jazz. Like I just, that now I'm really curious how this came to be. I think a lot of, a lot of what most people think of as jazz is like musical theater jazz Mm. is the New York jazz. Like ta-da, like jazz. Kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, you know, Gershwin and Rodgers and Hammerstein, those types of composers who took jazz, what was being played out in the streets and the clubs and all that. And then as I don't remember who it is. And Fantasia describes it for Gershwin. They dress it up. They bring it off the streets, dress it up, and bring it into the concert hall where they refine it in a certain way and they put a more classical polish on it. Yeah. 
And a lot of that is then what evolved for what we know, what you know, As Frank Sinatra and Elvis sure, Gerald were singing more, a lot of right. that type of jazz. It's pop jazz. Yeah. Right. Whereas New Orleans jazz didn't evolve the same way because mm-hmm. they didn't have Broadway in New Orleans and they did in New York. So the chord progressions that, that um, well, that's the thing too. Are they universally over the different genres, that chord progression over the New Orleans and New York, do you think? No, not entirely. Not entirely. That's the funny yeah. thing too. Duke Ellington was in New York, but I, he his music does not sound like New York jazz to me. Sure. Duke Ellington <laughs> is like, well, I don't know. He's he's the he's, Jacob Collier of the day in a certain way, where he was yeah. he was trying so many different things. But it was, was just, pol- I mean, it was quite it was refined. very polished and very refined. And I think Jacob Collier is too, but yeah. it's because Jacob Collier is like eight genres ahead of us yeah. right now. We'll get to a point where that'll be the universally <laughs> find. Oh yeah, that's music wow. or whatever. Wow. Whereas that's... I think that's Duke Ellington for the time was very. This is crazy. I don't know what's going on. There's a solid groove, though. There's a solid melody. There's a solid yeah, beat. Yeah. But there's eight different instruments playing at a time, you know. That stuff kind of confuses me sometimes. Right. And I can't, it's hard for me to enjoy it. Have you listened to much Duke Ellington? Um, not, no. You should listen to some Duke Ellington. Okay, let me listen I to I think it. you would enjoy him. That's the one. I mean, I've heard some. Right. But not extensively. Yeah. He He's one of those who understands, I think, really well the balance of crazy improvisational just doing whatever and also keeping it very structured and very so that people can recognize mm-hmm. where you are in the song good i really choose. enjoy that right sometimes when it goes too crazy mm-hmm. you you're so out of the box that it could be anything so it's yeah. hard to know where the story is right um would you say jazz is the most improvisational genre or does it come across that way because we make it i think it has a reputation to be that mm-hmm is that part of the charm of j- what jazz is? I think that's part of it. I think... I don't know if it's the most in, uh, improvisational. Because I feel it, like it from the be. outside, it that's... They at least make it appear... It almost is like part of its one of its attributes. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it it is. The like, most. I think bluegrass has it. Right. Bending. I think all music has the opportunity to... Right. Be improvisational on a given performance or whatever. Right. But it definitely has. I feel like one of the things that makes me think jazz is when I'm watching it is like they're going off and going crazy on whatever. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is due to the age of the genre and how. Um, how it started. Yeah. It started, and that's how it started. Yeah. New Orleans, you're on the street. Like and you so said. that's something too is like talking, going back a little bit, talking about like the structure and the chord progressions and all that is like the chord progression in this club on this day in New Orleans, mm-hmm. this was what the chord progression was <laughs> yeah. like. And then three weeks later, because that guy heard it and then told it to another guy and then they shared it over there, all of a sudden it makes its way up to Kansas City and it's a, and not an entirely different chord progression, but they've added, they've changed, they've adjusted things and it's right. a different chord progression. Yeah. And you can look at, you know, when we look at jazz covers sometimes yeah. from today, sometimes we can go, this is so boring because they're just playing the triads <laughs> of it. They're just mm. going back and forth. They're trying to play the most diatonic version of this jazz song where yeah. part of the charm is the weird chord progressions happening, right. the weird uh, leading tones and things like that. And it can be so boring. And then sometimes you can hear jazz covers of a song you really like and go, you're doing way too much with it, guys. Right, Dial it like back. you're going too crazy. Right, yeah, you're going right. way too crazy with it. And I think that's a part of it, too, is... Uh, f- mm, how do I say this? When there are lyrics within jazz songs, I think it's very self-contained. 
and I think part of them knows, like I feel like Ira Gershwin, who wrote a lot with George, who was his brother and was a lyricist for the majority. I think I think all the George Gershwin songs that like I know of that have lyrics have lyrics by Ira. Anyway, I feel like he like knew I have like thirty two bars for this entire song to exist. Yeah. I need to like make every measure count. I need to make hmm. every beat count. So because of that, I think you know I don't know if it was just. I, I don't know exactly why this was the case. I think it might be the same reason where, like, you know, we have two verses and a chorus to, to make the song stand out or whatever. Right. And maybe a bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. But even there, we can get bored with our own structure, right? right we can right. get bored with, why does it always have to be verse, bridge, <laughs> verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, or whatever. Yeah. That can be boring, um, but it can also work really well. Right. And so I think, I, I especially Gershwin songs, because I think the lyrics can be so beautiful, because he knew, I got these 32 bars... I got to make it count. I got, mm-hmm. I got kind of an A-A-B-A. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And he just makes the most out of every single That's thing. Cool. And, I, and I think the same is, I think La La Land imitates that structure in certain songs. Not entirely. Even there. Okay, so that's the thing. Another Day of Sun. Is that a jazz song? Hmm. If I heard it by itself, randomly? Yeah. Or at all. Do you just, do no. you think it's a jazz song? No. Why is that? The range of it? I think mm. of jazz, I think of it going... You're hearing, you know, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think the vocal, the melody itself. And the is, instrumentation is, under it too. I mean, there's no one. Yeah. I mean, melody through vocals, but also through various instruments aren't going. One certain instrument isn't taking the whole range. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you think of a saxophone right. being, or a trumpet or whatever. There's not a lot of space, I guess, in it. It's very like, it feels very theatrical. But you got the invitation. That's jazzy. But is it jazz? Is it a jazz song? Could that song have existed? Could, could, oh, you, could you hear Ella Fitzgerald sing it? Not really. Mm-mm. And is it the same reasons? Yeah. Interesting. It's very interesting. What do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, I think that all of La La Land, the whole soundtrack has jazz elements in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a theatrical jazz Same. which i think is it can be really really good and in la la's case I mean, what about even just like the instrument what is it the herman's herman's habit yeah that's it's a specific kind of jazz it's not necessarily so that was a song i didn't really like for a while really because it was a kind of jazz i didn't really like it's like this is kind of the same it's the same like eight bars Huh. It doesn't even really they have a B go. section. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Well, and it's cool because it's like saxophone takes a solo, trumpet takes yeah. a solo, trombone takes a solo, training back and forth, those kinds of things. It's yeah. cool. It's well done. There's a lot of, and I, I like it now. Right. But it's not the kind of thing on the first listen I'm intrigued by. Sure. I'm kind of intrigued by the same thing. I'm intrigued by hearing Ella sing through it once. Maybe she's a bad example because she got poppy really quick. But some of her early stuff. Yeah. Hearing well, it's not her sing through it but... once and you're like, that's a beautiful melody. She has a beautiful voice. The lyrics are great. And then hearing saxophone plays part of it. Clarinet plays I part think... of it. Those kinds of things. Yeah. And then hearing the key change here and it modulates. And, and now, have you heard Somebody Nobody Loves by Ella? Yeah. That's a great song. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I feel like I had... So you know Angelina by The Other Favorites? Yeah. That's a song. Mm-hmm. Instrumentally, it's two guitars and two voices. Yeah. And it's a folk band. It's a folk duo. Mm-hmm. So I hear that and I'm like, yeah, folk duo song. However, there's something about it. I think I could hear Bing Crosby singing that. I could hear Frank Sinatra singing For that. For real? Yeah. I could hear that played with a, like a classical jazz ensemble. Wait, how's it go? Angelina. Isn't that... That's in the heart? Uh, no, other favorites. Oh. <laughs> I was like... 
What am I thinking of? They have a song called uh, Lumineers of Angela. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bed now. <laughs> I don't. I don't see that. Really? No. I don't know. There's something about it. I think that I could hear Frank Sinatra singing "Queen mm. of the Bushwick scene, Okay, I can. Queen see. of the movie screen. Where have I seen you? Maybe in a certain context. And it would be one of those where like everything behind is because to keep that yeah. same rhythm, but the lyrics are very slow. Which I feel like Frank did a lot. Yeah, I feel like Frank did a lot of that. Where the band was well, depends on what era of Frank. It's kind of cool that we can say that. He was around for He was. Long he time. had like a 60-year career. That's awesome. Career. 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 <laughs> anyway. It is cool to see how jazz itself evolved. Mm-hmm. And then to see how individual musicians evolved. Mm-hmm. A lot of musicians that I really liked weren't around for super long. Oh. Glenn Miller only had like 10 years in there. Hmm. Ben Goodman has about that that I like know of. Yeah. Whereas Frank Sinatra had like 40 years. Ella Fitzgerald had like 40 years. You don't, like but you years. like them. I do like them, but... Your favorites? What? Did, your favorites were only around? The ones... Okay, I don't exactly know how to say this. I think Louis Armstrong... Hmm. I don't want to be like Frank Sinatra was a sellout and he just wanted to make money off of it because I don't mm-hmm. think that was the case. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a lot of his stuff. I'm not going to say a lot of his stuff. Some of his stuff. A certain <laughs> era of his stuff uh-huh. where I go... This sounds kind of like he just showed up, learned the song, and then they recorded it. Yeah, sure. Whereas, like, the majority of Glenn Miller stuff, the majority of Benny Goodman stuff, sounds like everyone here is... I mean, partly I just know, like, the story of Glenn Miller. So maybe that's part of it. I'm just yeah. influenced by who he is. Right. But I just know, like, they were just working so hard yeah. to do this. Not because but, I mean, of any promises that anyone was making them or anything like that, uh-huh. but just because they just really wanted to make this band work. Right. Which maybe Frank Sinatra, for the first 40 of years right. of his career, had to do that. But then by the mm-hmm. last 20, he was able to sit back and kind of enjoy. Right. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that no, either. yeah. But it can affect... If you, I feel like when you are doing it and you don't know if you're going to be able to record your next album, there's a certain intensity slash like purposefulness. Right. Where maybe at some point Frank Sinatra probably hit a right. thing where he's like he's well known and famous, like right. he's gonna his career is set. Right. So I'm I'm assuming it can it could be hard to keep that right. that newness of whatever. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it. But anyway, sorry. Well, yeah, I just think that there's there's something about maybe that's part of it too. Uh, it's hard to to differentiate my opinion of the music and then the stories I know around yeah. the music that because like, they kind I of know, influence them. right they influence each other. And the fact that Benny Goodman was like the first, you know, jazz swing was an undefined genre. Mm -hmm. And him and his band sold out Carnegie Hall. Right. And Carnegie Hall is a prestigious classical music venue. It's just, you know, it's an an opera house. People showed up in tuxedos and ball gowns and all that. He starts playing and the teenagers are dancing in the aisles. Yeah. And I think like, that's so cool. That's a great thing that he did (laughs) that he, his music has such an impact on people. And he like, you know, obviously... There are plenty of contemporaries and plenty of people ahead of him who did other things, but I think he somehow he for a slice of time in this specific spot just like started to change how jazz specifically and music as a whole I think would evolve and continue to grow. He at least helped. He at least had a hand in that. Sure, sure. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I think Frank Sinatra did too. I think Ella Fitzgerald did too. I think Louis Armstrong did too. But in different ways and in different eras. And I think there was just a lot more of them. Not coasting, not slacking necessarily, but... They hit a... They were well known. Right. 
And so I guess like my favorite like Louis stuff. My favorite Louis stuff is actually probably the stuff he does with Ella. The songs they sing together. Because mm-hmm. their voices are so different. Except for work. I really like Blueberry Hill. That's a good song. No, I love Louis. He's got a great voice. I don't listen to him a lot, to be honest. Yeah, I don't either. But I do think of him as like um, one of the, one jazz. Of the jazz greats of the right. jazz era. But I, I don't listen to him a ton. Well, that's another thing. You just said like the jazz era. Which, what do you hmm. mean by that? Because a lot of the recordings you know are probably from the 50s and yeah. past that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not in the jazz era. I'm not. I guess I just, like, I meant, for me. I guess I, hmm. Because that's the thing is like, okay, so what, where, where, where are we saying jazz started? Right. I guess I don't, is that I don't have 30s? a time. Is that the 20s? I don't like, have a time. I just think right. jazz. <laughs> you just think like somewhere in the first half, in the first 50 years of the 20th yeah. century, jazz was happening mm-hmm. and that was when it was defined. That's but funny. I know I haven't, I don't, I haven't thought of the dates or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to, Super. to think of that. Okay, so Rachel and Vilray. Mm. You know Rachel and Vilray, right? I do. I like them. They are... They're cool. Really new. Their album came out in... 2017. 2019. I actually found out about it, not because I was following them before it came out, but I found out it only like a week or two after it came out. So I was pretty... I saw... I think they played on live from here. Mm. Probably in support of that release. Anyway... I saw them playing. I was like, this is kind of cool. And then I was like, well, this is so good. And I was about to be really bummed out. I was like, man, are these like the only two videos of yeah. them playing? And I looked and I was like, they got a whole album? Yeah. Yes. And I got super excited. They're super cool. They're so good. They're so comforting. Yeah. They have such warm sound. They are. They do. Could their songs, could you hear Ella singing one of their songs? Could you hear Ellie, Ella and Louise singing Do Friends Fall in Love? Yes. Oh my goodness. Do if I could change one thing in life, I would go back in time and teach that song to the two of them. So what is it? Why why does theirs why does Do Friends Fall in Love sound like more of a jazz song than Another Day of Sun? I don't know the technical terms for it, but I I mean it's the way the melody is constructed. I wish I knew more like they're playing this here and they're singing the melody that they're playing this chord over under the melody. Mm-hmm. The melody's hitting the seventh or the ninth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't know for sure. I'd be interested to look at that. That would be cool. Do you have a certain thing that? Do you have an opinion? Um, I think the fact that it's all like vocal jazz. Oh. Not not like that makes it more jazzy, but because the 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 lyrics themselves and the melody structure and how they relate to the lyrics, it's very much. I think in tandem with Gershwin. So what type of jazz would you call Rachel and Villaray? Let's rule them out. New Orleans? No. Mm, Well. No. At your mother's house has like a clean, maybe that's not it. Well, that's the thing too. So like at your mother's house has like a mini big band feel. Yeah. So in a way, like take the, the. But it's not like harsh, like New Orleans. No, 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 no. So it's a, it's a, it's like a middle ground between New Orleans and like big band, I think. Okay. Where it's a small, because the thing about, I love about New Orleans jazz is like a really small ensemble. It's yeah. It's like a seven, eight piece band as opposed to like 33 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think like at your mother's house is like an eight piece band. Yeah. So it, so has, it has that, that feel, feel. Yeah. But it's also very like refined in ways. Yes. But also that clarinet solo. You remember that clarinet solo at your mother's um, house? Everyone go I listen don't... to, listen to their entire album, but especially go listen to Do Friends Fall in Love at your mother's yeah. house. And the laundromat swing. Also, go on shining. Oh yeah. Go the on shining has a piano solo by John Batiste that is just like um, it's, it's, it's nerd. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, here's the thing. 
that might be the perfect solo. For real? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. Well, don't say stuff I, like I that. I do think there's <laughs> one part where you're like, he's going to do this, and he doesn't, and then he does. It's not like perfect. Oh. I love the music where I predict it, and then it's like, you're wrong, and then but you're, you're right. also right. So nice. it's just so good. It's I think just that's, so good. I was going to say earlier, like another reason I think it's important for jazz to kind of be able to hint at the melody at least a little bit or, mm-hmm. or play through that is people like to feel like included included right. so if they know what is the melody is and then you're like but then you kind of surprise them with this note here or this right. leading whatever that is so fun because they're like oh, mm-hmm. that's new but you know but if you did something totally new like if you did something where you know you played the melody for a few bars and then you just went crazy that's right gonna be disengaging sometimes that's i'm not saying I, all the time is that but that's but that's how I am my, with like a lot of modal jazz. That's how I am with like kind of the fifties to sixties, really right. experimental Herbie Hancock and Miles Davis and John Coltrane, where I think great musicians playing a lot of notes, playing it really fast, all these things. So technically, it's like technically, whoa, yeah, you holy guys are moly, you, you guys, guys are great are musicians. Obviously, so I wish there was awesome. a melody in here. I wish there was something I could sing along to. So maybe it's just like personal taste as well. I just think from like a viewer standpoint, point, looking at like a performer to viewer. Right. Having that connection between the two of being able to play a melody that, or whatever that the audience right. can interact with, I think is really like cool. And again, I think jazz specifically how it originated, it was very interactive. And I think it's I don't want to be one of those guys who's like because that's part of like what La Land is about. Sure, is the keeping the tradition of jazz, but also not being a stickler about it and like mm-hmm. letting it move forward without like. Yeah. And a lot of music can interact with, I mean. Right. But I think that's something with jazz specifically for me. That's what I love so much about Benny Goodman again, is that I know people were dancing in the aisles when he was playing the song. And that's so cool. Mm -hmm. And that's so much fun. Those kinds of things. There, I've heard stories of John Coltrane. I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm still not jamming out to this tune. Sure. It's a cool story. You're a good musician. I'd really be interested to hear. I have not heard this. So maybe I would be interested to see like. John Coltrane? Yeah, I, mm. I haven't heard anything of him. I mean, listen to him. Yeah, and see what I think, because I'm interested to see. And I think Rachel and Villaray are very... I don't know, they're just, it's the kind of music... I, part of the kind of music I love is it, it's its lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's it's sweet. it's silly in a way, yeah, yeah, but it's still so sweet. It's still so sincere. It's mm-hmm. still so genuine. You can tell like they love each other. They love the music. They love yeah. the songs. They're having a great time while doing mm-hmm. this. And... Yeah, you don't necessarily get that. I don't necessarily get that mm-hmm. from other styles of jazz. Sure. I got I really think... into jazz like right when I started getting into music in general. Yeah. So... That's when I kind of first started talking to you more too. And let me tell you everybody, if you brought up any other genre, I feel like it was like you are a horrible I'm person. sorry. No, I don't think you were like that on purpose. I think you were just like, jazz is the best thing ever, right guys? <laughs> it's the whole world. I remember one day you showed me, we had like... um a studio with our theater mm-hmm. and we had some computers in there and you just like all these recordings of moonlight serenade i think and Wait, really yeah i remember you showing you were obsessed with i that didn't song. just show you moonlight serenade here's a great song i was like here at 90 i feel like that, that well just, i mean that, that sounds we, like me that's i mean we I do mean, that anyways that, but, but i it was awesome but yeah i was like oh because i hadn't i didn't grow up really listening to like yeah specifically jazz like that i so. remember when i yeah, you and me were hanging out one time, and this was like the first 
this is probably our very first like conversation more than just what's going on those mm-hmm. types of things it was like let's actually talk about stuff and get to yeah, know each other yeah. those kind of things and I was talking about jazz and I was like oh I've been talking for like 20 minutes and not letting Liv say anything so I was like what kind of music do you like <laughs> Oh no! And you like um, and you like hung your head and like look up very sheepishly and go, "I really like Adele." <laughs> and thirteen years old. Yeah, That's I I was just like, okay. I think also I was just reacting to the fact that Hello had just come out. Yeah, and like that song That's was just being played everywhere, and that yeah. was the only that that one and someone like you, I think, were the only Adele songs mm-hmm. I knew off the top of my head. I we had like you know various CDs in our car, and uh-huh. one of them. Was an adult twenty one or whatever. So. And that's a good album. Like I've uh, since then, I've so, probably probably because of you, in a I way. I think she's for I don't know. She's a cool performer. Yeah, and she also I, has a really cool voice. That's my biggest thing. I think and she's an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. She just I. Just, but her voice and, is so cute. Have you seen live recordings of her? Mm-hmm. She just takes control. Like she really does, other. and some, and know. she's just by herself a lot of times. Yeah, it's just her chilling there, and, and she's you're just like, I can't not. So, watch but it. how how do you like have that much confidence? Because it's like. Sometimes I think even with us, I'm like, we're going to about to play for an hour and it's just our voices. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a guitar, but it's like, how do, right. where Adele, even, I feel like even though her songs may sound similar in different areas, she's so confident that her yeah. voice is so pretty to listen to that. Yeah. Anyway. We haven't even talked about Jenga Reinhardt. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's just, <laughs> there's so much good music out there. That might be... I'm really excited for Christmas music. We got to listen to lots of Vince Guaraldi because he is so good. Okay, who are your favorite... We should do a Christmas... No, we have to do a whole episode. <laughs> of what? Christmas songs? <laughs> Just Christmas music? Committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, could, we probably have an hour of conversation about Christmas music. Yeah. Well, this well, was fun. This, yeah, we didn't expect to talk about jazz the whole mm-hmm. time. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. I guess that's just where we are. Yeah. Just jamming out, listening to good music. All right. Thanks, everybody. Everybody? Can I tell them I want Joe from Okay. <clears throat> no, that's good. This has been Between Takes with Opal Entertainment. I'm Olivia O'Neill, and this is Aiden Driscoll on guitar. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends, and tune in next week for a brand new episode of... Between Takes! Between Takes!